You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BJN Radio, episode number Brandon two eighty three. Did you say? That's right. Is that right? All right. Uh, I am Jimmy Kemsky. He is Brandon Gowton uh, of Bleeding Green Nation. I'm with PhillyVoice.com. The Philadelphia Phillies wow. are NL champions. Are headed to the World Series after their uh, I don't remember what the final score was yesterday, but oh four three I believe after uh, Bryce Harper. Where were you? Is that like a? Is that where? Is that sort of like a? Where were you? When sure. this happened kind of moment for you. So I missed it because uh, I was walking to Ooh. well, I was walking to Lucky's last chance. Um, and okay. it was funny because I walked by this one like corner store that had the game on, and I like checked in on the TV as I was walking by, and the Phillies were still down. And I was like, Man. And then when I got to the bar, they had just they had just Bryce had just hit that home run. So I missed that part, but I saw the them close it out. And, uh, you know, I know this isn't a Phillies podcast. I know everyone here who likes the Eagles isn't a Phillies fan. Um, but again, would be remiss to not mention the fact that the team playing across from the Eagles stadium uh, street, yeah, can yeah. win a, a championship and where Jason Kelsey was at, by the way, on Friday night, uh, kind of, you know, cheering the Phillies on. And, and uh, the way I put it is like help help them win because you got the crowd even more fired up. You got them even more juiced up um so it's incredible good vibes all around the city exactly yeah it's it's part of the fabric here in philly um and maybe even if you're not a phillies fan i think you still have to have some level of appreciation um for what's happening or at least awareness of what's going on in the city right now um so i mean they're they're partying on broad last night they're greasing up the poles and there's only going to be more of that (laughs) because the phillies to me jimmy they're gonna win the world series they're gonna beat rj's astros so i can't wait to talk about uh, that with him on the mixtape. <laughs> I when he hit when when it first came off his bat, I figured it was a foul ball. I mean, it looked like it went straight ish, um, but I thought it was a foul ball because his reaction was just he didn't do anything and he didn't look. He knew it was gone in in his mind, but he didn't he didn't react like he wasn't excited. He didn't look like super excited after he hit it. And I was like, oh, he's just watching it. It's foul ball. And then nope, <laughs> it was gone. So. Uh, yeah, I was in my own living room. Uh, good times in Philadelphia sports right now. But we have uh, Eagles stuff to get to. Uh, less about the Eagles, really. Uh, initially, we'll talk about what happened during the NFL's slate of games on Sunday. Uh, talk about the NFC East. We'll talk about the rest of the NFC. And then we'll get to sort of a look ahead to the um trade deadline which is november 1st today is what 24th october 24th so, a week from so tomorrow it's tomorrow as we're from recording t- this from it's on the tuesday yeah, a week from tomorrow right so it's tuesday what at four o'clock yep, i think always at four four o'clock is the magic number it seems on all these mm-hmm. uh, nfl deadlines so um why don't we start with the nfc east where the most important game uh, of course is you know for the probably for the foreseeable future is whatever the cowboys do uh, on Sunday, and the, Ca- the Giants are maybe sneaking up a little bit on that important scale. Mm. Uh, but the the Cowboys hosted the uh, Detroit Lions, who got just blown out by the P- Lions. Were were a team that were basically uh, people had higher expectations for them this season, coming off of their entertaining 
Hard Knocks <laughs> um, uh, feature on on HBO this summer. Uh, one of the loudest stadiums that that I've been in, and in, in, in basically my my tenure covering the team, week one when the Eagles went uh, to Ford Field, and uh, that excitement has gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like the the excitement for that team is gone. They're now one and five. They lost to the Cowboys on Sunday, but this was a team that statistically had the worst defense in the NFL. Um, they were scoring points in in volume the first four or five weeks of the season. Then they got shut out by the Patriots. And uh, yesterday they only managed to score six points uh, against the Cowboys defense. They had a bad fumble uh, at the goal line after a play in which their tight end should have scored. Uh, it was, of course, the return of Dak Prescott for the Cowboys. Did you watch a lot of that game? I I, I was watching the Red Zone, Red Zone channel primarily throughout the day, uh, but they did check in on that game quite a bit. And from what I saw from Dallas's offense, not very impressive. Yeah, I mean the Cowboys were trailing at halftime. They <laughs> had three points. Yeah. Um, they obviously had a turnover in the red zone there. Uh, I did not. I, I was watching that. I was flipping back and forth between that and the Giants game, and then I had to run out for a little bit during the games. Um, so I missed this happen, but I heard Dak had like two drop picks too, which also doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me. He had like three drop picks in Week One against the Bucks which prompted right. me to tweet like very anecdotally. I just feel like he gets away with more dropped interceptions than any other quarterback, or at least maybe that's not true, but I feel, I feel like it happens a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of bad throws that he makes that are like, that should be a pick. And it just somehow doesn't get mm-hmm. caught. Um, so yeah, I think the, the takeaway there is the, and, and you put this well in a tweet that you had about how, you know, last week the Cowboys fans were chirping about how the Eagles win over Dallas wasn't even all that impressive. Uh, and if they had Dak, you know, they win that game easily. And they had Dak against the Lions, and they didn't really win that game. They, they ultimately broke away, of course. But they, Their defense won that game yes. for them. Uh, and the final score looks more wide apart than the game was for a lot of the game. They mm-hmm. certainly did not light the world on fire, um, did not look as impressive, I think, as you would want them to if you were a Cowboys fan. And obviously, okay, it's Dak's first game back, whatever. You're not necessarily expecting him to throw five touchdowns right out of the gate. Um, but... And and uh, there's, I've also seen some resignation, not maybe resignation or, or bargaining from Cowboys fans being like, we don't even need Dak to be good. We just need him to, <laughs> to be a game manager and the defense can be amazing. Uh-huh. And that's probably sure. true because they have a lot of bad games on their schedule and they can win a lot of regular season games. But when we're talking about playoffs. We're talking about championship aspirations for them. Talk about beating the Eagles. Probably not going to be good enough. Yeah, I kind of get the logic, I guess, there because their defense is winning games and their, their offensive line mashed the Lions in the run game uh, yesterday. Zeke and Pollard both played well. Um, but yeah, that, that's a team that just, and Dak, by the way, he has not looked good. He's played in two mm-hmm. games so far this year. He was, he looked horrendous, but, but I mean, long before he right. got hurt in that Buccaneers game week one, he, he had a really, really rough game. Uh, that was Sunday night football game uh, week one. And then this past game, uh, you know, I was unimpressed with what I saw from him. Um, and, you know, you kind of expect that to some degree, I guess, coming back from, in a broken thumb <laughs> so like or not not a broken was it bro was it a broken thumb, thumb sprain or whatever it was yeah yeah it required surgery so surgery on his thumb you'd ex- maybe expect that to some degree um but yeah it's a it's a team that uh is now what five and two and um you know still obviously a game and a half uh, behind the eagles with a head-to-head loss to the eagles but uh, obviously that's a team that will monitor you know every week going forward the the team that is now Six and one, amazingly, is the New York Giants. 
they went down to Jacksonville to face old friend Doug Peterson and the Jaguars. And uh, this was a game that uh, back and forth for the most part. Somehow the Jaguars were favored in this game, which I just didn't get. Same. Like they're, they're both sort of um, improved teams with much better, like far better coaching staffs than each of those two teams had a year ago. Um, you know, they're led by, you know, actual adults. Uh, and the Giants have turned those have have turned that into wins. And the Jaguars have not really done that yet. So, um, yeah, I was, I was surprised that the Giants came into this game as underdogs. Saquon Barkley looks really good, in my opinion. Um, he's got a lot of juice again. It took him a while to get back to where he is now from his ACL tear. Uh, did not look the same when he played last year. This year, he's running hard and he's running fast. And his short area quickness for as big of a guy as he is, is really impressive. Their offensive line is a lot better than it was before. Their uh, pass rush is better than it was before. Kayvon Thibodeau looks like he's going to be a hit uh, as a rookie for them. And they just they just have these games that go down to the wire and they either make a play at the end of the game or I think more often their opponent makes the big mistake. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I didn't think it was a big mistake necessarily. They had four downs from what, like the 17 or 18 yard line or something like that to, they basically had, had, had a chance to take four shots into the end zone. They throw a fade on the first play. They throw a fade, which, you know, had a chance. They throw a fade on the second play, had no chance because Trevor Lawrence just wildly overthrew that. Didn't give his receiver a chance. I thought they were going to throw it into the end zone again on third down. They didn't do that. They threw it a little bit short. Of, they didn't have any timeouts left, so if they got tackled in bounds, it's game. Threw a little bit short of the goal line. There's a play where Christian Kirk was the outside receiver. They had a receiver right to the inside of him, and they basically had Kirk just kind of run in behind uh, that slot receiver, and basically that 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 receiver kind of served as like a, almost kind of like a blocker, <laughs> like while the ball is in the air. Um, and Kirk went up, made the catch, and then boom. Hit immediately and was kept out of the end zone by matter of like a foot or two. By, uh, Giants win that game. Damian so, Moreau. So, I mean, Giants win that game, and credit to them for for that. Like they're they're they've been in close games in almost in I think every one of their games so far this year, and they've managed to pull them all out or all of them out except for one. Yeah. So credit where it's due to them. Well, but you just look at you just look at that roster, and it's it's, it's crazy that they're six and one because their roster just isn't that good. I think people don't want to admit a lot of the times that like things luck happens more than it does. And what I mean by that is I, I think a lot of people want to look at all these one score games and be like, well, the giants just know how to win now. And there's some truth to that. <laughs> I can acknowledge that. Yeah. At the same time, some of that's just luck. Like, it's just, like I always say this historically, you look at the track record of teams with one score games and they're not, it's, it's not sustainable. Like you're going to get unlucky at certain points. And the, um, sorry, my phone was going off. The um, the Giants have not had that bad luck yet. Like, look at the Jags game yesterday as an example. Like, if that passes like one yard further, it's in the end zone, it's a touchdown. You know, Jags could win the game. So, um, you know, there's certainly a better coach team across the board. Not even just Dable, but I think you know, um, um, uh, Wink Martindale too, Mike Kafka, like like they have a good coaching staff, which is something I, I thought when they hired Debel and he hired his staff. Um, so there's definitely credit to be given there. 
Giants are not a bad team by any means. I think we can very much confidently say that. I still don't know how good they are. Uh, and to go back to the Lions, to, to deviate from this entirely for a second, um, Lions beat the Cowboys, or sorry, Cowboys beat the Lions, but Lions are like so banged up. They're not good to begin with, but like they're missing their top two receivers because Amon Ross and Brown got knocked out of the game. Chark didn't play. They're missing their top pass rusher in Charles Harris. Like they had uh, several other significant injuries, including along the offensive line. Like, okay, like, you know, they're they're not good and they're also extremely banged up. Um, but to bring it back to the Giants there, uh, Trevor Lawrence stinks. Uh, like he sucks, dude. <laughs> wow. He freaking okay. sucks. He is not good. <laughs> like he was the generational. He's dude. He stunk. There were more. There was a wheel route in the end zone that he overthrew by like like fifty feet, like wide open. It was like it was Carson Wentzian, just in terms of overthrow, like wide open target, wheel route. Just didn't even give his receiver a chance in the end zone. I think it was ETN um, overthrew him. And then I think that was the same drive or no, maybe that was a different one, but there was one of the, there was, there was a, there was a play like that. And then there was another play later where ball coming out of his hand looked weird, totally just overthrew again, a wide open target in the end zone. And I think that one was the one where the Jags fumbled in the end zone and there was a touchback. So if Trevor Lawrence doesn't absolutely freaking suck, like, you know, the Giants very much benefited from that is my, my point. Like there there were wide open touchdowns left on the field. And some of that happens. That's not me saying the Giants don't deserve credit. I'm just saying like they're getting all the breaks right now, but they're not going to continue to get all the breaks. And like the really good teams, like they can blow out their opponents and make sure there isn't luck. And I just think the Giants, to their credit, they've hung around. They're tough. I think Daniel Jones has played really well in terms of, Mm-hmm. Um, taking care of the ball, which is something he has not done to this point in his career. I definitely think you're seeing coaching helping there, and he's just making good decisions. I see a lot of that from him. Um, kind of something we talk about with Jalen Hurts, different levels, but the, the point of like, you know, one of the things you can feel good about with Hurts is he doesn't turn the ball over and he doesn't really put the ball in harm's way a lot. I think Jones has done a great job with that this year. So there are definitely real things going there for the Giants, the positives, but I'm still like, they're still not in, they're not even close to me to the tier that the Eagles are in. I'm torn on um, the scheduling between these two teams. They don't play until week 14. I'm, I almost kind of want to see them play now, <laughs> like while while the Giants are winning a lot of games and before they start potentially losing some games. Mm-hmm. Um, on the, at the same at the same token, like if they continue to win, then those games will be fun at the end of the year. Uh, week 14 and then what are they they don't finish the season with them right they do it's week a, 18 or do they do yeah which, okay, they do. Week, you know week 18 very much not, might not matter for philly so um yeah, right they might benefit from the eagles resting starters yep. as opposed to <laughs> the other way around um so let's move on you mentioned carson wentz uh broken finger he's now on injured reserve won't play against the eagles week 10 when he will was scheduled to make a return to Philadelphia. When you go on injury reserve, you're on for at least four weeks. So he'll miss weeks seven, eight, nine, and 10. Week 10 is, again, Eagles commanders matchup. Taylor Heineke, mm-hmm. former commanders quarterback, former Washington football team quarterback, that is, uh, starting quarterback, that is, filled in, beat the Packers. Packers look like a shell of themselves yeah. uh, these days, but... Um, they, they go out, and he isn't a good quarterback, obviously, Taylor Heineke, but he gave them a little bit of a spark in that game, made enough plays, and they won. And it's crazy when you look at the talent level of a guy like a Taylor Heineke and the actual talent 
that Carson Wentz possesses. And it's so crystal clear that Taylor Heineke gives them a better chance of winning. Yep. It's just crazy how much of a waste that Car- Carson Wentz's talents are going are, are gonna to come to. I think that's the thing with Heineke. I think if you're like a, a teammate of his, if you're a Washington Commanders fan, don't you feel like you have a chance with Heineke? Like even if he's yes. outmatched and, and you're not going to win every game, but you go into every game, I think you feel like, okay, we have a puncher's chance at this. Like it might not even be yes. a great chance, but we have a chance. Or with Carson Wentz, it's like just defeat. There, he is defeated. There's no <laughs> chance. You know this isn't going to go well. The vibes are yeah. terrible. Um, so, yeah, let the record show. Heineke definitely has better vibes than Carson Wentz does. And I, I think this was actually unlike the, you know, where the Eagles would very much have preferred the Lions to beat the Cowboys or the Jags to beat mm-hmm. the Giants. I actually think the Packers losing is more of the preferable outcome. Agreed. Because I am still more scared of Aaron Rodgers somehow flipping the switch. Of course. Yeah, and, and maybe they make or maybe they make a big trade at the deadline and land, I don't know, just like some really good receiver and that makes a huge difference let's say or something like the Packers ceiling to me is still higher than what the commanders can do 100 and also the commanders are kind of in a, in a bigger hole in terms of they've already lost two division games they've lost I think three conference games the Eagles have already beat them like they're just not as big of a threat right now to me all the commanders are doing is kind of like hurting their draft position so I'm totally fine with them winning I think that's that's totally fine um yeah, so they don't scare me at all still. But I will say um, Carson Wentz's injury, I think, is bad news for the Eagles across the board from a standpoint of banners are a little bit more dangerous now, I think, when they play um, in Philly. And then from mm-hmm. the standpoint, too, of uh, now the commanders might be able to keep that 2023 20, second round pick that would they'd, they'd <laughs> right. owe to Indy uh, if Carson Wentz played at least 70% of the snaps. And the way I see it, like, I, I just don't see why they would play Carson Wentz again. Because if Heineke plays right. well and they're winning, then you keep him in, obviously. And if he stinks, like, really bad the rest of the way, then you're probably not making the playoffs anyway. And why not get a look at Sam Howell and preserve that second-round pick, uh, make sure it doesn't go to a second-round pick, and keep it as a third. So I just don't I don't even see why you would need to play Carson Wentz again. And if he doesn't come back in, he's probably – not probably, but they'll cut him at the end of mm-hmm. the year. And he'll be on some new team in 2023. You'd say that. I think he's done. I still think he's done, though. <laughs> oh, you think he'll just be? You think he'll just retire? I, I don't think he want, doesn't. I don't think he wants or to be backup. I think he's him. a starter to, in his mind or nothing. I, I, maybe he gets signed if like he has. He, there's a chance for him to start because there's a injury somewhere. But I think he's either it's starter or bust for him. I think he's gonna realize it's either you're a backup or you're out of the league i don't and but jimmy he doesn't that, have that mentality like how many times he didn't think he deserved to be benched when the <laughs> eagles are playing the pack like he doesn't think like, yeah. he doesn't get it he he's no self-awareness in that regard i don't think he has the self-awareness to be a backup <laughs> yeah maybe we'll see <laughs> anyway um the packers are uh yeah you're to your point that they're they have a you know that it was, it was a better outcome that that they lost uh, instead of the commanders. They have all kinds of offensive line problems. David Bakhtiari might not ever be the same player again. Elkton Jenkins hasn't been the same player coming off a major injury. And then they have all these young receivers. They are not anywhere near as explosive as they used to be after having traded Devontae Adams. I never understood why they traded him in the first place. Crazy to me. Wait, was it a trade? Um, I don't think it was a trade. He just left. Didn't he leave? No, he traded. They traded him to the. To what did the they get in return? For, I think they got a a one and an early two or something like that. Okay, you're right. Yeah, uh, twenty two overall and a second round pick. Yeah, that made no sense. 
and they have all these young guys at receiver like Christian Watson, uh, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, there's a third rookie, I believe. And those guys have shown some promise along the way, but the, I mean, there's just no comparison between those guys and Devonte Adams. So for the second week in a row, the Packers, Buccaneers, and 49ers all lost. Mm-hmm. So those three teams, in my mind, are the three, heading into the season anyway, yes. you'd look at those three teams as probably the three favorites in the NFC. And they are, well, the the Packers are now three and four, heading to Buffalo mm. next week. On Sunday Night Football. T- Tampa. Tampa's Tampa lost 21 to three to the Panthers. Yeah. How does that happen? That is insane. <laughs> the vibes are terrible. Mike Evans had a, had a, <laughs> I have Mike Evans on my fantasy football team. Nobody cares. But if you, if you have Mike Evans on your fantasy team, you know what happened on it. Sunday where he broke free. Tom Brady couldn't have like walked it out to him on a platter and handed it to him. Uh, it was, it couldn't have possibly been a better throw. And he just dropped what was a sure touchdown. Mm. And, uh, I was very upset when he did that for my own personal reasons. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, they, 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 and not only just that, it wasn't just the outcome. They got totally outplayed in that game by arguably the worst team in the NFL yep. that has basically fired their coach already. They basically put up a for sale sign on all their good players. They got worse. They traded one <laughs> of their best players. <laughs> it's by the way, they're, they're two, Backup running mm-hmm. backs, Chuba Hubbard and Dante Foreman combined for like 24 carries mm-hmm. and 180-something yards, which is funny after they just traded Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey didn't do much for, for the 49ers uh, in his sure. debut there. Obviously, you expect that. He's, he was like asking for the playbook mm-hmm. on the on the plane ride to, to, to San Francisco a couple days ago. Yeah, and they played the so, Chiefs. Um, tough matchup. And they played the Chiefs. You expect, but at the same time, we were all sort of fawning over the Niners defense the first five, six mm. weeks of the season. They gave up like 550 yards and 42 and 44 points. Yeah. Again, it's the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes was hot in that game. Like he was, he was just making plays left and right. So yeah, there's some, and their defense there. has gotten binged up too. It has, but they've gotten guys back. Somewhat, so yeah. they have uh Kinlaw's on injured reserve and Eric Armstead I believe didn't play in that those game those are two big ones so the the interior yeah I mean you can't just dismiss those two guys but they still have Bosa they still have their line they they still have their good linebackers uh they still have it you know their their defensive backfield just got absolutely torn apart by the Chiefs in that game and busted coverages left and right um so like I love D'Amico Ryan's uh, like covering him he was like just a really good dude and I think he's going to be eventually a head coach at some point, but I think the shine is probably off him a little bit after the last couple of weeks where uh, they were able to, they're unable to adjust after they lost some players. Um, but anyway, getting back to the point, P- Packers three and four, again, heading to Buffalo. Tampa is now three and four. The Niners are three and four. The Eagles, have, you know, they now have a three and a half game lead on all these teams. Basically all they have to do is win the NFC East, and they're going to get the number one seed in the in the, in the conference. I agree. Um, I want to ask you so two questions. Number one, who is the most threatening team to the Eagles in the NFC? And then second part of that question: if it's an NFC East team, who is the most threatening mm-hmm. non-NFC East team? 
So I think the most threatening team to them is the Cowboys remains them. Um, and then I'd say them, man, I mean, there's just not a lot to pick. I'd say the most non-threatening or the most threatening non-NFC East team is still probably the 49ers. I think it's the Seahawks. I think I'm, I think the Seahawks. Have really? Some, yeah. I, Cause Gino's been playing well. Like it, it's kind of legit now. Like, and you look at the advanced numbers on both him, he's like second in DVOA and like, mm-hmm. and like really high up in like PFF grading. Like basically any kind of metric you want to parse, he's like very high up on the list. Kenneth Walker, or the third. Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. He's awesome. like, I, I loved him. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like yeah, Michigan. He's State. a player that like I didn't think the Eagles would draft because of you know value and whatever, but like sure. I wanted him. That's like like I want that guy on my team. Like he's freaking awesome. He is a good player. Um, so I think he's for real. Uh, they have that freaking reigning NFC Defensive Player of the Week at least before uh, Week Seven is handed out. And Tariq Woolen, their rookie class is playing mm-hmm. well. Uh, like Pete Carroll for all his faults is still one of the better head coaches in the NFL. Like I. Seattle's a tough place to play, or it can be at least. Um, like that, I'm not saying they're a juggernaut. You know, like what we thought the Bucks or the Packers would be heading into this year, but they kind of they 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 threaten me. Like that's that's like a like a upstart kind of team that like kind of and because of how the expectations have been so low for them going into the season, and honestly, like every week where they're usually underdogs, like there's something about that team that I that they, they make me uncomfortable i think that's like that could be a tougher matchup than a lot of people would think it would be um just because you see geno smith and you, and you think they're not as good now but mm-hmm. uh, to me seattle is the top threat to the eagles because the you'll beat the vikings i'm not super scared and kirk cousins is going to fold in big moments i'm not scared of them um the cowboys you know i i think they're right there too um but like i'm not really i just don't i don't, I don't know about their offense and i'm not and i'm not buying it and i think the eagles match up well against them um so and and the 49ers yeah they're they can they're, they can run hot and cold um so I, I i do think it's it's like the cowboys the 49ers the seahawks i think that's kind of the top three for me in some order uh assuming tampa bay and green bay don't turn it around yeah to piggyback on your seattle points heading into the season i thought they had some I don't think they'd have the number one overall pick in 2023, but I thought there was the potential for them to like, I thought they could be really, really bad after having traded away, away uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has obviously been horrendous mm. in Denver Amazing trade. Uh, through the, through the first part of the season. And uh, Gino has, 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 you know, obviously far outplayed him, but in addition to Woolen and Walker, they have a pair of starting offensive tackles who are rookies, Charles cross uh, who they took like, Somewhere near the top ten, like ninth I overall, was, I think. Yeah, so he's the, he's their left tackle, and then Abraham Lucas, who they took, I believe, in the third round. That's not easy to do to start two rookie offensive tackles, and you'd think that it would at least take those guys some time to get adjusted to the NFL. But they have stepped right in and been fine for them uh, through the first seven games. So. Yeah, I'm with you that that they're at least a threat. I wouldn't. I don't have them. I don't think there is. Uh, like you, I think you probably think they're a little better than than I do. I get it, but uh, yeah, they're they're certainly a bigger threat, like a far bigger threat now than they were uh, to begin the season. By the way, the Giants play in Seattle yeah. uh, week eight, so that'll be yes. definitely a game to, to to keep a close eye. Yeah, on. I think the I think that's the Giants' second loss there. I think Seattle will uh, get that one. Um, all right. Uh, why don't we take a break here and then get into our trade discussion. 
Jimmy, before we go to break, let me tell you very quickly about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, who I didn't mention at the top, so I was so excited about the Phillies. And by the way, while we're plugging things, go check out The Good Fight with a ph.com uh, for all your Phillies SB Nation uh, coverage and also the Good Fight podcast feed where you can hear um, BGN's own John Stolness, you know, who does Eye on the Enemy here for us. Uh, he obviously does a lot of Phillies podcasting as well. You want to check all of that out. Um, but Righteous Felon Craft Jerky is here for you all the time. RighteousFelon.com. You can use discount code BGN, Bleeding Green Nation, BGN15. BGN15 for 15% off your order. The best snacks you can get. You're going to need a lot of snacks because the bye week is over and you have a lot of Eagles watching to do and Phillies watching. I mean, the next, what, nine days or whatever it is, um, potentially like one, once um, the World Series stretch starts on Friday, it's like Philly, it's Phillies game Friday, Phillies game Saturday, Eagles game Sunday, Phillies are off. And then like from from basically from there on, where the only off day for the Phillies is the Thursday when the Eagles are playing the Texans <laughs> in Houston. Uh, so a mm-hmm. lot of sports watching coming up. You, you're going to want to get to it with Righteous Felon Craft Jerky uh, around. And again, go to RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off the best snacks you can get your hands on. Jimmy. Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back here on BGN Radio, which, in addition to being brought to you by Righteous Found Craft Jerky, is brought to you by Kristen Roach of RoachRealtors.com. Jimmy, what do you do? Yeah, let's get that out yeah. of the way before, because I think we're only going right. two segments here, right? So Kristen Roach uh, is vo- was voted by God as That's the right. best realtor in the history of the universe. Uh, so you'd be crazy not to use her if you are buying or selling your house. You can call her at call or text her at 856 856- Nine zero six nine two nine five. She should put that on her business cards. I don't know if she can do that, but I think she should. <laughs> or like on like testimonial page on her website. 
and then you can just put an asterisk and at the bottom just put this may or may not right exactly <laughs> all right us <laughs> god may or may not have voted at all on the best realtor ever. um so eagles trade deadline targets let's set some context here they've made a trade every year going back to 2017 except for the 2020 season when they were not looking so good and we're kind of in a weird spot where they could almost be buyers because of how bad the nfc east was at the time um but they were clearly not a good football team um and, mm-hmm. and it did not end up selling doing anything um but they've made a trade deadline move every single year at least one right by the deadline um dating back to 2017 did they in 2022 or i'm uh, sorry in 2020 so I said that was the one year they didn't. Every year oh, except okay. that year. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my bad. Uh, that was the one exception. And then not, also none in 2016. Well, yeah, I said dating back to 2017. Oh, Jimmy, got you got to okay. listen to me. <laughs> These, the answers are, <laughs> I cannot. Yes, since 2017, they have made a, a, a move every year at the deadline except for 2020. Okay, since 2017. Yes. Um, Let's recap this real quick, very, sure. very quickly. 2017 was J. Yep. Uh Good trade. 2018. Mm-hmm. Golden Thanks. Tate, terrible trade. <laughs> 2019, Gennardi. The worst trade, trade in the history of the universe. <laughs> 2021, uh, they traded Zach Ertz away. That was a good trade. That was a little bit early. And then they yes. also traded they, they traded Joe Flacco mm-hmm. to the Jets, which made which made way for Gardner Minshew to become yep. the two. And then he won two he won a game for them later that year. So that was a good trade. And then uh, and they traded for Carrie Vincent another Jr. Another disastrous who, trade. As you noted yesterday. Yeah. We were on the phone yesterday uh, trying to figure out when we were going to record the next podcast. Brandon made the point. He's not on any roster at all. Like, not even a practice squad anywhere in the NFL. Yeah, insane. Insane move to give up. Again, doesn't matter because how he's done a lot of things right. But just to, like, light a draft pick on fire for this guy who had not played with the Broncos (laughs) when the Eagles traded around higher to get him. And then didn't yeah. even land on any team's practice squad after like that's a just it's like a, an object if you're just looking at that one move in the vacuum, it's a disastrous move. It's a terrible move. It was it never made any sense, but whatever. I didn't hate their strategy of just collecting a bunch of corners and seeing and throwing them against the wall and seeing if one I sticks, agree with that. like Carrie Vincent and Tay Gowan and Josiah oh, Scott, whatever. Not only to go through the Josiah Scott is actually a decent enough, but like backup. he had played. Uh, Scott had played in the NFL. Yeah. Like, like the process there made was more defendable. Um, but like the process was never defendable with Kerry Vincent Jr. But let's get into. Anyway, I, I thought the strategy was fine, but yeah, that that when you look at that actual trade for Kerry Vincent, when you like you said, he, <laughs> the Broncos used a pick on him that was later yeah. than what they got in return. Uh, it, it was like the yeah, Avery so trade I, again. Like they didn't learn from the Avery trade, <laughs> right? Which again, at least Avery showed something. I will defend that much in the NFL, but like, so it was even worse version of that. But whatever, we don't need to relitigate that. Uh, <laughs> let's look at what the Eagles. People want to know what the Eagles might do this year, yes. and I feel like we should start by saying there's a rumor out there um, that came from ESPN uh, NFL insider Jeremy Fowler that the Eagles are calling around. Uh, on Brian Burns, and they were one of a few teams mentioned. The Rams and Chiefs also mentioned there. And you know, when you see a report like that, that's hardly like this deal is imminent, and the Eagles are definitely getting Brian Burns. Um, that seems to be more of a Panthers leak to me, where they're trying to drum up a market for their player. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I just don't see why they would trade Brian Burns. I mean, this is a guy. I think is it fifteen, fourteen players have. Uh, more sacks than only 15 players or whatever have more sacks than him since he entered the league in uh, 2019 high pick super athletic um, 
premium position is still under contract for next year under a fifth year option. I just, I don't see any good reason for the Panthers to trade him unless some team is giving you a no brainer godfather, like beat you over the head, like kind of offer. Uh, so I don't think, yeah. I just don't see why they would deal him. I think the Eagles would absolutely have interest. What about you? Yeah, I think the Eagles are definitely interested in that guy. I mean, it'd be malpractice not to at least find out what the cost would right. be. Uh, and surely how he has done that. Um, so Adam Schefter had a report saying that the Panthers have already turned down a deal that included two first round picks. Now that could very well be true or not. <laughs> like that's the kind of report that is, uh, clearly coming from the Panthers. Um, and you know, what does it mean? Like, did somebody offer a first round pick? next year and then a first round pick the following year but also you got to give me back a second round pick right. and whatever other pick and a player like that it's all like a player in addition to burn like that's all that's kind of like a report that doesn't mean anything to me um is it going to cost the eagles two first round picks to get a guy like brian burns yeah. i don't think I do. so you think yes, so again okay again, why how not he's only 24 so many, only yeah. so many players have more sacks than him. I know he hasn't had a double digit year, but he had nine twice. Okay, so he's one away. He's only missed one game in his career, so durability isn't a concern. Like he has the pedigree of being what was he like the eighth overall pick or whatever he was. Like I, I think it is going to cost that much. This is a premium position. So here's here's my comp to that. Khalil Mack got traded from the rate not not this last trade this past off season, but from the Raiders to the Bears in like 2018 or something like that. Um, the cost for him, which was considered very high at the time, was a pair of first round picks. But the Raiders also got, excuse me, the Bears also got back a second round pick from the mm -hmm. Raiders in addition to Mac. So it wasn't even truly, you know, two first round picks. And at that point in Cleo, Cleo Mac's career, he was coming off uh, two seasons in which he was a first team uh, all pro. He had actually won Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> like within the, a three-year span, but before he got traded and he made the pro Bowl all three, all three years, Brian Burns is a really nice player. I like him a lot. He's never had a season where he's had double digit sacks. He's been to one pro bowl. He is nowhere near on the level of a player like what Khalil Mack was when he was traded in 2018 or whatever it was. I still think it's going to be a lot. I think it would be. Oh, for sure. And And your point is dead on. Like, they're not just going to like there's they, they don't have a, a good reason to trade him right other than to just collect a bunch of high picks, presumably to use on to put them in the best position possible to draft a quarterback in the 2023 draft, which is I get I, the perception is that it's going to be a much better quarterback class. Certainly than I mean, this this past year was one of the worst quarterback classes in recent memory, but this 2023 quarterback class has the potential to be a lot, you know, much, much better than, than this past year, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to some degree on that front. They might not need it because they might be so bad anyway that they get the super high pick and they can you know, almost kind of have their choice. Well, I don't know if they have their choice of the, whatever quarterback they want. The Lions are going to have a lot to say mm -hmm. about that. Uh, potentially some other teams, Texans, for example, are going to be really bad as Texans well. Texans who have but, two high um, picks potentially because of their pick and the Browns pick too. So, uh, yeah, there's four teams total that have two first round picks. The, the Dolphins used to before they got caught mm -hmm. trying to tamper. Um, but anyway, uh, I guess my point is there's like, or your point is that they don't have a good reason to trade them. So you, you like, you have to come yeah. with 
you almost have to overpay to get a guy exactly. like him. I mean, the 49ers already overpaid for Christian McCaffrey. They gave up a two, a three, a four, and a five. Insane. Four picks. You for a running back. It's like it's, it's who, insane trade. Who has not been productive in the past two years and has injury issues. So, I, I mean, even though I just said a little bit ago that I think the Niners are the biggest non-NFC East threat to the Eagles, that is a team that thinks they are way better than they actually mm-hmm. are. Uh, who would, which, who would be number one in your thinks they better thinks they're better than they are power rankings, Saints or 49ers? In terms of like blatant stupidity, the Saints, because like at least the 49ers can say they've been to the NFC Championship game in two out of the last three years. I, you know, I don't fully buy that as a like true uh, barometer of where they are. But the Saints can't claim anything like that. <laughs> like, what have they done? And what do they have on their team that would make you feel good about going into this year? Oh, we can trade. We have Jameis. We're good. What are you talking about? Um, I want to say on. We should probably mention that we 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 failed to talk about the Saints yeah. during the first segment, but we'll just mention quickly. They of course played on Thursday night, lost to the Cardinals. Um, Andy Dalton threw a bunch of picks in that game. People were somehow surprised that Andy Dalton was throwing a lot of interceptions. Yeah, I didn't get that. That seems like a crazy straw man to me. I mean, I know you saw it somewhere, but like that's right. just is like that's like the. But I was told Steph Curry couldn't shoot thing. It's like, yeah, who was saying that? I guess the the difference is that the other quarterback is Jameis Winston, who is that's sort of his mo. Is he throws a lot of picks, and they're like, well, Andy, Andy. I guess at that point. Before that game, the three games Dalton had started, he only threw one pick. So that small sample size of three games of only throwing one interception was somehow that became who he is as a quarterback instead of what he's been over his, the entirety of his career. Like he has interception percentage in the two years prior to this year of like 3.0%, which is super high. There's only two quarterbacks that have a higher percentage uh, on a certain, uh, I guess, minimum of, of uh, 500 pass attempts. But anyway, um, that team is not looking good at no. all. And if the season were to end today, parentheses, it doesn't, um, that pick would be fourth overall. So if you're talking about like, so that pick would be enough to get Brian Burns, in my opinion, right now. You could trade that Saints pick to the Panthers right now, and I think they would do that. But if you're the Eagles, no way do you give that pick up when it can become a player potentially like Will Anderson or yeah. – Jalen Carter, right. no cost, way are you giving that pick yeah, up. Yeah, a cost-controlled So I'm with player. you that the, the the likelihood of the Eagles making a deal for Brian Burns is extraordinarily Agreed. low. Um, and getting back to him, uh, and by the way, big game next week with the um, Saints hosting the Raiders. Like That's a big game for the tank uh, standings. Because mm-hmm. uh, if the Raiders, Raiders are currently... The Raiders are good, by the way. Well, I mean, they're better than their record would show, but like... Yeah, still need the Raiders to win that game and keep them keep the Saints uh, higher in the draft order. If you're the Eagles, that's an important game to keep an eye on. But here are the 13 players. It's 13 who have more sacks than Brian Burns, 29 and a half since 2019. And it's in order. Okay, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, Cam Jordan, Shaq Barrett, Trey Hendrickson, Matt Judon, Robert Quinn, Zadarius Smith, Joey Bosa. Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, and Nick Bosa. So that's really freaking good company to be in there. Um, I just mentioned, we've only mentioned one trade <laughs> target so far, and we don't think it's likely in Brian Burns. So let's talk about some others. I think Robert Quinn. Yeah, you just mentioned Robert it, Quinn. Like, yeah. Again, who just had, what, 18 and a half sacks last year. Hasn't really done a whole lot for Chicago this year, but it's like a bad team. I don't know what to fully make of that. 
And he certainly, and he's older, but he does have a track record of really being able to be productive. So that's certainly, mm-hmm. and I think the cost would be, you know, like not astronomical too, given his age and um, the fact that the Bears don't have like a lot of leverage. They're clearly in a sell position there. Um, what do you think he would cost? Like a so I had four that I had a three. He was one of the first guys. He was like I, I've been doing batches of three players at a time, and he was doing, he was in that first batch. And he's sort of a weird player in that. Yeah, he had eighteen and a half sacks last year, but his production is so wildly up and down mm-hmm. from year to year. He has salaries of twelve point eight twenty twenty two, thirteen point nine in twenty twenty three, and twelve point nine in twenty twenty four. Of course, the Eagles could cut him at any time uh, if they traded for him. So. Like I had sort of thought of him as a, as like a player that made sense a few, like earlier in the season for like a guy like Andre Dillard, Mm. who could help them in terms of their terrible offensive line. Maybe Um, I wouldn't do that now if I were the Eagles. So I watched Robert Quinn pretty closely in their Thursday night game against Washington. He had nothing, Mm. no juice whatsoever. Just got just got stonewalled in one-on-one matchups the entirety of the night. And I don't want to just uh, base my entire opinion of watching him in one game, <laughs> but I was very, very unimpressed with, with the way that he played. And then if, and then I was just curious to see what his PFF grade sure. was. Hold on. Let me just pull that up real quick. Uh, I know it was very bad. Let me see what it is after, you know, updated here. He is. This is great radio. Uh, Okay, so he's 115th out of 116 mm, bad. edge rushers. But I, so, I, I wonder uh, again, to, like I wonder how much of that is like he's you know it's a it's, it's a very much a lost cause team, and I, yeah. maybe it's that's not a good excuse. I just I wonder. I think you could potentially yeah, maybe buy you don't low want that, that maybe you don't want that guy in your locker. Also, room. also possible, true, <laughs> and that's another angle to it. But I also think it could be a buy low opportunity relatively. Could be. Um, so yeah, I don't think it would cost much to get him because he's having a terrible year and. uh He's costing the Bears a lot of money, so maybe it doesn't cost a lot to bring that guy in. And the Eagles need depth for whatever reason. They don't trust Teron Jackson, who I thought was going to start to see yeah. more snaps once Derek Barnett went down, but they don't trust him. And then they just put Janarius Robinson on, uh, who they you know signed off the Vikings uh, practice mm-hmm. squad. He just went on injured reserve. They don't have depth very conveniently at that defensive that's end the spot. Eagles needed to open a roster spot to <laughs> put a right. spot for Andre Dillard. Like they're in trouble. If if Josh Sweat or Brandon Graham were to go down, then yeah, I mean those are their two like base defense defensive ends. Certainly they have Hassan Reddick, who's you know a pass rusher in mm-hmm. uh, you know on the edge in, in obvious passing downs or whatever. But if one of those two guys went down, then they'd be in some trouble. So I do think they need more depth uh, at at defensive end. The one guy that I really like is oh man, I forget his name already. Well, you you must really <laughs> like him then. Yeah, is <laughs> he from the Texans? Rasheem uh, Green. Rasheem Green. Yeah, um, I don't know what his stats are updated since I since I profiled him, but he's a guy that um, signed a, a one year deal this off season, base value of two point seven five. Young defensive lineman with, uh, I mean, th- th- his profile is as a player that should have gotten attention early in free agency. But for whatever reason, he didn't sign until I think it was after the draft this year. 
but he was off to a good start for Houston this year. Uh, at the time I profiled him, he had 18 sack, 18 tackles, two and a half sacks, a uh, bunch of quarterback hits. He's at three and in a, a half, non-starting role. Three and a half sacks, six quarterback hits, and one force or, or one pass deflection. Yeah. Okay, so that's in a rotational role for the Texans. Um, where so if he if you were to trade for a guy like him, not going to cost a lot because he's not even starting, and then you know you bring him in and he's used to being in a rotational role as it is. He can give you some production off the bench. So he's a guy that he's actually my favorite potential trade target uh, for the Eagles uh, across the league. Yeah, that's actually that's a good name. He's actually um, his size, too. It's more of like a, a traditional uh, 4'3 defensive end, too. He's 6'4", 280, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, like a lighter guy like Redick, one of these, or even Burns, you know, not to say, you know, still wouldn't be a good player, but just in terms of you're looking for more of a true 4'3 defensive end fit. As opposed to another like same linebacker guy, you know he would right. he would fit that mold. I think that's a good uh, call out by you. And yeah, he's in his age twenty five season right now. So certainly someone who you know if he plays well in theory, and if you want to keep him, you, you could talk about that, uh, or he could potentially help towards your compensatory pick uh, formula next year mm-hmm. if he leaves. Um, so cert- yeah, yeah, that's that's someone who I think would be uh, a good name. You mentioned one of my favorite options in your one of your columns there because it kills two birds with one stone. Not if you want to be killing birds if you're the Eagles. That maybe that seems like bad juju, but um, mm-hmm. Jabril Preppers, baby. Uh, the Eagles' safety situation tenuous, I would say, behind Marcus Epps. Yes, and even with Chauncey Gardner Johnson, uh, who I think can get better over the course of the season, has been you know inconsistent at times. Obviously, coming off of a good game. And kind of got robbed. Arrow pointing up for him. Yeah. He kind of got robbed in terms of uh, he had two picks and wasn't NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, I mean, you know, not that it matters, but you know, who did who did get it? Tariq Woolen, who I, had a good game for sure. Okay, against the Cardinals, but you know, like all right, he had two picks. Uh, Jabril Preppers. Uh, why does he make sense? Well, again, I just mentioned it. The Eagles' safety depth is not good. Uh, Kayvon Wallace cannot play as it's not a real option. Like he cannot play. He can't be him. Josiah Scott, Andre Sastre, Reed Blankenship would rather see literally any of those guys other than Kayvon Wallace. And, and obviously those names aren't the most inspiring either. Um, but Jabril Preppers, certainly a guy with a lot of experience, 60 career starts and 67 games played, has a bit of a pedigree, has produced, um, you know, not starting right for the Patriots right now. Um He's their fourth safety right sure. now. Sure, so not a starter for them, but has return experience as well, which mm-hmm. is not something I think the Eagles necessarily need to necessarily need to like prioritize and invest serious capital in. Um, but to get mm-hmm. some some value there, and by the way, he can do both kicks and punts. He hasn't done kicks really since 2018. So, uh, but he has done punts. Punts are more important, yes, for sure. And I mean, in 2020, he he had uh, 12.5 yards per return. In 2019, 12.3. Um, he hasn't had a touchdown yet in his career, but I bet you that could happen. Uh, so I would really like him. I think that adds to your safety depth and gives you a boost in the return game. Another name that got thrown out, um, uh, Eagles Nut, I think, Greg, at Eagles Nut, Greg Richards proposed Desmond King of the Texans. Ah, yes. Who, he's more of a corner than a safety, but he's played slot corner. And I believe he has played some safety or at least the, the idea is that he could play safety. Um, I think he makes sense uh, as added depth on the back end. And then also he 
has been a punt returner for the duration of his NFL career as well. Doesn't have great speed, but uh, has the ability to make guys miss mm -hmm. um, and has been a reliable punt returner. Uh, he's been in the league six, seven years, something like that. Um, maybe not that long. Uh, but he's he'd, he'd make a lot of sense as a veteran player that could come in and help you immediately. So we've talked about edge rusher. We've talked about safety. Um, I think running back is a big position that people would highlight. I don't know that. Are there any names out there at running back that you like? So the ones that have been thrown around a little bit have been like Melvin Gordon, who Bumbles too got much. benched in Denver. Although he has uh, experienced the Sirianni from being in together in uh, L.A. Okay. Marlon Mack actually just got signed by the uh, Broncos, I believe, off the 49ers practice. Doesn't matter. Um, who uh, Who's the Cam Akers, mm. who seems to Pass. be on the outs in uh, in Los Angeles. And all those types of guys, you know, I, I don't think you trade for anyone like that unless they can have an impact. And none of those guys, to me, are like are going to be an impact add. Keep in mind, they just added Trey Sermon too. So you kind of have to weigh any of these, per, you know, potential running back acquisitions against Trey Sermon. Like, are they going to give you more potentially than, than him? Uh, the rest of the season down the stretch. And if not, then you're certainly not going to give up a pick for a guy like mm -hmm. that. As far as a guy that can come in and, and you know, really help you, um, if the Raiders had lost oh, on Sunday, Josh oh. Jacobs would be a, a really so nice addition. Good. <laughs> Isn't he? And, for, and they, didn't, uh, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option uh, for, for next season. So he's scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent in 2023 and if they don't think they could bring him back next year and they don't want to use the franchise tag on him next off season um then they may as well get something in return for him now than lose him for nothing in the off season um again i don't think they're ready to sell i think they're actually a decent football team they're two and four they started one and four uh, but i think they can actually uh turn things around and, and and maybe compete for for a wild card um but yeah, that's a guy that that is that he he's having probably his I don't want to say his best year, but I watched him play yesterday and he looked very, very good. He looked a little bit like Saquon in some ways to me in that game yesterday, just uh, in terms of like body type and the way that uh, and, and his speed and quickness. Uh, he looked better in that game in, in, from what I saw of him yesterday than I re than what I remember of him just watching the last few years. So he, of course, had that great rookie year along with Miles Sanders. Like they were both yeah. in the conversation for NFL, you know, offensive rookie of the mm -hmm. year. Went to Kyler Murray ultimately. But those guys and, Which was and a joke. Uh, AJ Brown were all were all sort of in that conversation. I thought AJ Brown actually should have gotten it yeah. that year. Uh, but but Josh Jacobs had a great rookie year, fell off a little bit, and and now he's playing really well. Yeah, I don't think the Raiders will, Raiders will want to sell him. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he just I'm specifically watching him in the Chiefs game. I'm like, wow, this dude is freaking awesome. He looks great. Yeah. He in his last three games, 69 carries for 440 rushing yards. So that's a 6.4 average, six touchdowns, and he has 14 runs of 10 plus. Uh, he has 5.7 yards per carry in the season. Like he is, he's nuts. So right now, like that is bonkers production. And like you know, um. He can catch the ball too. He's 20 uh, catches for 141 yep. for a 7.1 average, which is certainly respectable. So don't think they're going to a big part of his game at, at Bama. In, exactly. In uh, so don't think any, you know, he's never like lit it up 
you know, Kamara level as a receiver. Just he's never caught mm-hmm. a receiving touchdown in his career. As I'm looking at the stats, oh, is that here. right? Yeah, uh, that's that's which an is an anomaly, stat. I'm sure. But point is, like, he can also contribute in that phase. Um, so yeah, I mean, that would be great in terms of uh, having the player, but I don't think the cost would make sense. Um, it would be nice to have you know a running back who I think Miles Sanders is having a good season, but it would, I think it would be nice mm-hmm. to have like a legitimately like fearsome kind of. I don't think anyone's afraid of Miles Sanders. Do you think that's a fair characterization? I don't think opponents are like scared of Miles Sanders. Yeah, I, would I don't agree think with they that. don't I, respect him. I just don't think they're like they're not terrified of him like you would be with like Jacobs or Saquon. It's funny because he's what like heading into this week anyway before the the the, the week seven games were played he was fourth in the NFL in rushing sure. yards he's a good player so, so like yeah but he's not uh, like a the elite player let me ask you this are you worried about pissing him off sure absolutely yeah back? that's certainly a dynamic especially in a contract year I mean it's certain it's something you have to consider and weigh um, back when the Eagles traded for Jay Ajayi. Like part of that, if I'm not mistaken at the time, was like kind of getting LeGarrette Bunt's approval or at least like, you know, very much mm-hmm. being in the loop with him, like in the conversation, right. like, you know, hey, I remember that. Yeah, right. like, yeah, the, there, there's that. a transparency yeah. to that. Like, hey, we're get, like, we're are you cool with this? We're doing this. Like, it wasn't just like, hey, F you. Now this mm-hmm. guy is here. Uh, so that's certainly something they'd have to. <laughs> and especially on a team that does have good vibes and a good culture. And that's like we talk about Sirianni deserving credit and that's one of his hallmarks is having that culture. That's something you can't just ignore. That's certainly a factor into the equation, but yeah, I think he's going to be too pricey. And on that point, because that's the great point that you make about blunt. He was just, he was a guy that they signed that off season and like, not even not even May. I think it was like June that they signed it. They signed him really late in the off season for them to care that much about Mm -hmm you know, making him unhappy by trading for a guy. Meanwhile, Sanders is a homegrown yeah. guy. His second round pick has been here. This is fourth year. And now like, and they, and the Eagles seemingly went way out of their way to say, he's the guy. <laughs> Remember during training camp uh-huh. when Kenny Gamo was getting some first team reps and, and uh, the fantasy football community sort of ran mm-hmm. amok with that. Um, <laughs> like they, they went out of their way to make sure that Miles Sanders knew, you know, he's, he's their guy. So, yeah, I think uh, that that's a great point about them getting approval, not approval so much, but just keeping like Garrett Blunt, mm-hmm. like who's juice within the organization, you know, has to pale in comparison to, to Sanders for sure. Um, any other external targets that come to mind that you really are think are worth mentioning? I tend to, so here, here, really quickly, my view I don't think the Eagles are going to make a huge splash. I think they're going to do something, but I don't think it'll be huge. I think it might be more of the level of like Rasheen Green, which does not have a lot of juice. Like yeah. I think it would be a smart pickup, but come on. No one's like, yeah, the Eagles got Rasheen Like no one's <laughs> going to be like, who? Yeah, he's not changing the, the Vegas odds. No. I think they'll do something to improve the roster or add more depth, but I don't think they're going to make a huge, like, you know, like juice, juicy. Just, I, don't, I think the juice factor to the addition is not going to be super high. Um, so I, the, the one I'll go back to the Texans real quick. Jerry Hughes, okay. is another guy who would be, you, you're probably keeping him for a year and a half. He's 34. His contract sort of di- dictates that, you know, you'd maybe keep him for a year and a half. So not necessarily just a half year rental. It could be a half year rental, right. but he's a guy that, uh, he had four sacks heading into this week. I don't know if he had any this week, but he had, uh, in six playoff games, with Buffalo uh, from 2019 to 2021, three years, six playoff games. 
He had seven mm. sacks. So he's been a producer uh, in the playoffs the, the last few years. And again, he to me, he's sort of like a, a Chris Long type of addition yes. that you can make at the deadline. Yeah, and certainly going nowhere on a Texans team. He's in his age 34 season. Yes. Like it would make all the sense in the world for them to get whatever they can for him now. Um, although the Texans aren't necessarily smart, so we'll see. But uh, I think we named... <laughs> well, they just fired Easter. That is true. Uh, we named some good external additions. I, before we wrap up, I have to get going soon here. But I want to, real quick, I want to get to uh, the idea of the Eagles potentially selling anyone at the deadline. Uh, you okay. mentioned Dillard. Like, from a standpoint of the Eagles are 6-0, and they're undefeated. They look like, I think, I would argue there's three teams in the top tier in the league. And that's the Eagles, the Bills, and the Chiefs. I think they're all deservingly, I think those are your one through three in some kind of order indisputably they Mm -hmm. have to be your top three i don't think anyone else belongs in that top three right now uh so from that standpoint why would you sell anything because like just go for it just keep your roster however it's just like the andre dillard thing's a little tough because just the fact that you can only play left tackle it's kind of ridiculous when you have to consider like you have to keep extra linemen up right like Mm -hmm. you have to have extra linemen who can play right like right tackle and also, like the fact that they have nine active nine active linemen on game, which is day. unusual, nine, yeah, which is out of the ordinary. And also, like you have Jack Driscoll, who's demonstrated the ability to play left tackle, mm-hmm. and you have Josh Shills on the roster. He's not proven, but like you like him enough to keep him around and use a roster spot on him, so he's here too. It just seems like a little overkill to me. If you can get good value again, don't just trade him to trade him, but if there is, I guess you would say a second right out there. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, and I don't think anyone's giving that up. But if they were, I think you have to do that. Like, that's a, that's a, it's a pretty good pick for. There are a lot, lot of teams. There's been just left tackle carnage across. Mike Tanier of Football Outsiders sort of did a great job of, of going through all the left tackles that have gotten hurt. Uh, some of them long term, some of them shorter term, some of them have already returned. But there's just a ridiculous list of left tackle carnage in the NFL this year. But the the teams that make some sense there, Garrett Bowles. Uh, from the Broncos, done for the year. Taylor Lewan from the Titans, done for the year. Uh, Note Boom from uh, the Rams, done for the year. Rayshon Slater from the Chargers, I believe he's done for the year too. So there's four teams right there mm-hmm. that need Broncos, maybe not so much. Well, they also uh, don't uh, have a lot of picks. A contender at this point, also true. But those other three teams, and, and Tyron Smith, by the way, too, they, they could potentially look for for more offensive line help. They're not going to get no. it from the Eagles. The Eagles aren't going to help them out, obviously. But you know, that's another team that's in the mix for additional linemen that you know are competing with these other teams potentially at the trade deadline. But you have you know teams like the Titans, Rams, uh, Chargers. Again, Broncos maybe not a great option. But if one of these teams comes around and they offer you a second for Dillard. You kind of, I don't even know that Andre Dillard's good. Right. So like the idea of like trading him away isn't all that scary to me. Driscoll was confident mm-hmm. when he played left tackle. Uh, you, th- there is, you know, certainly a uh, a lesson to be learned by all these teams around the league that are losing all their offensive linemen. Um, if you have multiple injuries on your line, maybe you need Driscoll to play uh, inside. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then you get an, an injury to one of your tackles. And then what do you do? So there's certainly... Uh, uh, an element of risk to trading a guy like Dillard, even if he might not be good. And even if he only plays one position, which is not ideal for a backup second round pick, I kind of can't turn that down though. Yep. You know what I mean? So like, I, I do think that if, if some team made some offer that they just couldn't turn down, then you have, you have to agree. I think that's the, the point we're trying to make. He shouldn't be untouchable. There shouldn't, it shouldn't be like, there's no scenario. We're going to, 
uh, trade him because we're winning and we, we need everyone. Like, no, there is, there's definitely a point where it would make sense to sell. And, and honestly, like maybe like, I, I don't know what else they're planning to do or could do, but like maybe that, maybe not that pick directly, but maybe you're more willing to give up like a second or whatever next year because you just got that in return for him. So it's almost like it's all part of one trade. You know what I'm saying there? Like the the more ammo you get, like if you, you could pretend or, or potentially maybe let's say it's not a pick. Maybe there's a player out there who would make sense, right. a lot of more sense for the Eagles than Andre Dillard would be able to help them. I don't, again, I don't know who that would be, but I, I would also consider that as well. The other thing too is um, if you're just, if you just keep them, the Eagles have like a ton of players that are scheduled to be unrestricted free agents next offseason. Mm-hmm. The likely it hasn't there hasn't been a, an offseason in a while where they are more likely to lose players in free agency than gain, which makes them players in the compensatory since pick after the Super formula. Bowl. Yeah, like the 2018 offseason. Yeah, exactly. So if they did just let Dillard walk in free agency next offseason, it's not out of the question that he could get a contract somewhere in the ballpark of like. Halapulavati Vitae, for example, <laughs> like I'm wildly overpaid, but that's what teams do with offensive tackles in, in free agency. So, you know, maybe he can get you best case scenario. I doubt they would, they would, he would garner this kind of contract fourth round pick, fourth round compensatory pick, probably more realistically, he gets you like a fifth round compensatory pick if, if he just walks in free agency. But um, so I guess the point is you can still get a pick for him and keep him this year. It, but again, the difference between that kind of pick and a second round pick, if somebody makes that kind of offer, is a no brainer for me to just yeah, shoot him off. Yeah, you're looking at what? Like a late five, probably at the best for him? Late four? Late four at the very best. No, yeah. you're not getting a three, late three for, for Dillard. No one's signing exactly. him to that big of a deal. But even then, you the, to the point they have so many free agents, it's possible like he, he might not even really be a factor, a huge factor, at least in the end, because they could lose multiple guys and you can only get what four yeah. count picks max anyway. Four max. So, like, yes. he might not even, you might have, you might lose enough guys where he, he doesn't matter. So, yeah, I would not, my point on that would be, I would not like be using the comp pick thing as a reason to not move him. Like, that's very much, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's something you can like think about, but it's not a, like a main reason to keep him around. It's a small factor sure. to, to consider. Um, it's part of the equation for sure. Uh, all right, Jimmy, let's wrap this bad boy up. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm just excited to the, the, the Philly schedule coming up. Somebody put this on Twitter, but they had it like day by, I think it was Denise Selman, yeah. the great Denise, Denise Selman, uh, had like the, uh, what is, uh, what is the first I just went over this the, earlier uh, of the world series. What? Oh, sorry. Jimmy, what, what was it again? Jimmy, an all time bad podcast performance for you in terms of <laughs> listening to me. Uh, good, good trade target. Um, you brought it there, but you didn't bring it when you we were listening to me. I, I said starting Friday, there's a there's Friday. It's like okay. f- starting this coming Friday, October twenty eighth, whatever it is. Uh, Phillies game, Phillies game. Okay, then the Phillies are off because it's a travel day back to Philly from Houston, yeah. and then that Eagles are hosting the Steelers, and then three games right. in Philly, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, off the. Uh, all for Philly, the, Phillies. the Eagles are playing Eagles in play Houston. In Houston. Uh, of course, yeah. the series could be over by then, for all we know. Um, it's going to be tough for the Astros to win in Philly, man. No one's beat the Phillies yet in Philly. And then again, <laughs> a lot of the games have not been close either. Um, and even when they were, even like the, the freaking uh, Padres got up 4 0 the other night. And the Phillies just answer with three runs right back. Yeah. And it's just like, man, this team is freaking. They're. You you know the the idea of like the team no one wants to play they are the team no one wants they like they yeah, should be that's, terrified that's of this team they have the Bryce Harper is having like a, a historic playoffs like 
I, I don't know all the baseball stats off the top of my head, but I think something about like an OPS to like the best player ever in like the history of like it's, it's like insane <laughs> like that. They have right. the best player in the series. Like, so it's just, they're, they're nutso right now. And I don't think they're going to lose. I think I'm at a point with the Phillies to tie it into the Eagles where like I was not, I did not have the only time I thought the Eagles were going to lose the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 52 was when um, uh, the Patriots, bef- the, the drive where Brandon Graham forced the fumble, like before that was the okay. only moment right. where, and, and I didn't think it was a guaranteed loss, but like I started to worry. And they're still down eight. Yeah, exactly. But I started <laughs> to worry because they hadn't forced a punt all game. So I'm like, the Patriots are getting yeah. some kind of points on this drive. Um, and that concerns me. Brandon Graham comes up with the biggest play in Philadelphia sports history, arguably uh, strip sacks, Tom Brady. We know what happens from there, but like going into that game, I had no worry that the Eagles were going to win that. Like they're going to win. Me too. Are you kidding me? Did you watch? Yeah. Did you, are you watching them? They were better. And that's where I'm at with the Phillies. I'm like, it doesn't, I know the Astros are good. They're also cheaters. Like the Patriots. They're going to be heavy underdogs, aren't they? But like, it's just like doubt them at your own risk. You're, you're not really paying attention if you're doubting this team. I know the Astros are great. It's not about the Astros. It was never about the Patriots. Everyone's like, how do you beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? It wasn't about them. That's the right. wrong question. It's how do you beat the, these 2017 Eagles who look freaking awesome and Nick Foles is playing out of his mind. How do you beat that team? Uh, yeah. so, and I think that's what people are making the mistake of here with the Phillies. It's like, how do you beat this team with like guys who are raking, uh, a pitching staff that certainly is not like top notch, but like Wheeler is as good as anyone. So, and you're going to mm-hmm. get at least two games out of him, maybe three, um, if it needs that many. So that's tough. Uh, Nola, you know, didn't come up big, um, in his last start, right. Uh, when like they were up, that was when they were up for whatever, four zero in San Diego and they blew it, I think. Um, but his, his couple starts before that were really good and he has the potential to turn in a really good game. Uh, and then I think I like Ranger. I'm a Ranger Suarez guy. I think he, you know, can give you a good start. Um, so like, it's crazy that their bullpen is, is now yeah, and their good. bullpen's like Sir Anthony is a <laughs> lockdown closer to me. Um, Robertson don't really trust him and almost blew the game yesterday, but yeah. Alvarado is throwing gas out there, like freaking hundred mm-hmm. miles an hour plus. Um, and then Brogdon had a good game when they, he needed to go long. Um, <laughs> I'm just giving you a breakdown of the whole roster, but it's yeah. the whole team. Um, Schwarber, oh, Schwarber, oh, Schwarber, you just start, na- just start naming, but guys. Schwarber he hasn't even had like a big playoffs and that's scary because like yeah. he could easily, I mean, he's been a little bit better, you know, more recently, but like he could easily, there's this, this team, man, this team is special. And there are some parallels, I think, to the 2017 Eagles. The whole country is going to be rooting for the Phillies against this cheater yeah. Astros team. Like, imagine being an Astros fan. How <laughs> right. embar- like how embarrassing is that? Like, you have to wear this. Like, I, like they've won. Yeah, but, like, no one respects it. No one re- – yeah. empty, hollowest championships you could possibly win. Like, blatant cheaters who got off easy because when they came back from that cheating, it was, like, the pandemic. So they didn't get, like, the full effect of the crowds, like, booing them. I mean, there's going to be a lot of that in Philly. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this series. You know, you know, a team is really uh, hateable if teams want a Philly team. Exactly. To win, or fans want a Philly team exactly. to win instead. So I think the Phillies are going to do it. I, I, I believe in them. Like I, I, when the when the Phils blew that game to the Padres this week, I, I did not care. I was like, they got one and two in San Diego. That's all they needed. Like anyone would sign up for that. Yeah. I know it was disappointing because it could have been two, but I was like, I'm not worried. One, of, that's that's all I need from Houston. Same thing. Give me one of two. And then we got three at the bank. The Eagles, I mean, sorry, the Phillies could win all three of those. I don't like, I'm not going to rule that out. Uh, anyway. All right. So that's my final thought. Go Phils. Again, check out the good fight.
that's fights with a ph the good fight.com and the good fight podcast feed for all of your phillies coverage from john stolness and all of the other great people there at tgp um, the staff so go check that out uh, check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky at RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you want to go to RoachRealtors.com or contact Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors at this phone number. 856-906-9295. You want to check out BleedingYourNation.com for my work, uh, at Brandon Gowton on Twitter and Instagram. PhillyVoice.com is where you can find Jimmy's work, and you can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Kemsky. We'll keep it simple for you. Um, we will be back later in this week to preview the Eagles Steelers game, the Keystone State Bowl, if you will. That team stinks, by yes, the way. Not a great team. Um, League worst point differential, minus 55. That is true. However, Steelers, since Mike Tomlin is hired, uh, are, have the best record uh, against the spread uh, as underdogs. Oh, so okay. it's, they're, they're not typically a team that just lays over. Um, Mm-hmm. So we'll see, but very certainly winnable game for the Eagles in the path to going seven and zero amid the amidst whatever uh, the Phillies winning. So we will be back later in the week to preview that game. Until then, goodbye, everybody. P G N.